Hello everyone and welcome to Time Spot on the Beat with me Fabian Peter. Uh, in the studio today with us today we have Datuk Seri Jahabidin Yunus, Deputy President of the Badminton Association of Malaysia, Chairman of the Rules and Disciplinary Committee. He is also the Kuala Lumpur Badminton Association President and the Olympic Council of Malaysia's Legal Advisory, Rules and Discipline Committee Chairman. Welcome to the podcast Datuk Seri. How are you? Good, very good Fabian. Thank you very much. And how are you? I'm okay. Tired, but okay. <laughs> All right. Um, that's it. Before we get into today's topic, which is law, sports law to be exact. For me, at least personally, I think it's a very heavy subject. Uh, a subject that's not usually spoken about in at least the sports fraternity. But I also think that in today's world, this is something very, very important. So going into the first question, for those of us who don't know. Right. Um, what is sports law, Dr. Sri? Okay. Now, uh, in a very simple manner to understand what sports law, even though if you go deeply into it, it can be quite complex. Mm-hmm. But I'll be saying that from birth certificate to death certificate and beyond, every one of us is tied to the law. We cannot escape from the law. Yeah. So if you have that thing in mind, then you will see that if it's sports, if yep. you're a sports person or any sports body or anything to do with sports, you're also tied to the law. Mm-hmm. So essentially, when you talk about sports law, uh, academics and those involved in sports law will say that there are five areas of the law. Okay. And make it very simple. Now, the first one, for example, is what you call the, the referee and the empires. Okay. Now, this is the disciplinary aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So you find that on the field, if you take football or you take uh, badminton, the empire or the referee has got very wide discretionary powers. Mm-hmm. You know, they can stop you from doing certain things and so on and so forth. So that's very that's one law by itself. Now, secondly, you have in a situation whereby the rules of the game itself. Mm-hmm. Badminton is different, football is different, bowls is different, bowling is different, yep. and so on and so forth. So all those are also law as far as uh, the rules of the game are concerned. Okay. And that's something each of the player in the respective games will have to know and comply with. Mm. Now, the third one is what you call the law of the federation. Mm. Now, let's say, for example, you take uh, badminton. Now, you have in Malaysia, Badminton Association of Malaysia, which is a governing body in Malaysia. And that governs how badminton is played in Malaysia. Mm. And what are the rules for players to be registered and so on and so forth. Mm. However, BAM is subject to another world uh, federation, which is the Badminton World Federation. And they also have rules and regulations and statutes and so on and so forth. Therefore, BAM has got to comply with that. Mm. And BWF in turn will have to comply with the IOC, Correct. International Olympics Council. Yep. So if you look at that, Fabian, you will realise that all the other sports, uh, even football, for example, any sports that is, that is aligned or want to take part in Olympics will have to comply with the IOC, below which for football you have FIFA. Yeah. Then you have in Malaysia FAM. Yep. So if you were to expand this to all the other sports, you, you have the international federations. Mm. And and if you look at it, uh, today's world, uh, Fabian, it's, it's a bit ironical. There are many international federations. Yep. So which international federation has got the recognition and the jurisdiction to monitor or to register a national uh, sports bodies? Mm. By national sports bodies, I mean in Malaysia for badminton would be BAM. Yes. And for football would be FAM. Yep. So, how do you know which international body to recognize? That recognition is given by the IOC. Therefore, mm. the IOC is very, very uh, totally important. That's the number one uno numero mm. body in the world for uh, registration into Olympics and so on, recognition of the sports mm-hmm. body itself. Then you have the other one, which is called, which we call the administrative law of sports. Okay. Now, this is where you have the uh, disciplinary committees. 
Now, I am also in a discipline committee, both in BAM at, and at OCM. Yeah. So, we have various cases, for example, in Badminton Association Malaysia, we have various cases of, uh, for example, you know, th- those who play badminton, they're very young people. Yep. And they go overseas to play games and so on and so yep. forth. Like, the next one's coming is in Cambodia, uh, which is uh, Southeast Asian Games. Yes. Yep. Now, these young people, sometimes they lack discipline in the sense that they may post certain unethical things on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that we want to uh, govern We mm. want to discipline as well yep. It gets too much mm. At the same time Some young people also go uh, Overexcited in uh, sightseeing For example Correct. There's a game tomorrow yeah. And today they're out uh, gallivanting mm-hmm. And that's something mm. we want to stop yeah. Because that will affect The nature of the game And so on and so mm-hmm. forth So these are the kind of laws That govern generally What we talk about sports law okay. So sports law is not just confined To just taking care of the player Or the sports bodies And so on and so forth yeah. Now, now, Fabian, you may ask, why Why does it sound so complex? It's very simple. <laughs> we, we have to recognize this. And I think many uh, listeners, many people, yeah. even some of those who are players new, yep. they don't realize that sports activity today is no longer just fun and games. Yes. It's no longer. Yeah. It has become something which is important for politics. Correct. Uh, sports has become politics. Sports has become business. Yes. Sports has become career opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, uh, I think in a nutshell, uh, Fabian, uh, you can see that there are tremendous number of stakeholders involved in sports. Yes. Now, I don't want to dampen the uh, the spirit of sports supporters, yep. but I think uh, netizens and so on and so forth, they should go beyond looking at only the heroes of the game mm-hmm. because there are many unspoken heroes behind making that hero. Yes. You know, if you, yeah. have a, if you have an icon in badminton, for example, to make the particular icon, there's so many other support systems. Mm. Each of them, you know, the unsung heroes behind yes. the particular yep. hero. Yep. And each of them have got a legal responsibility which they also need to be protected and so on. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, this actually now brings me to my next question. Yeah. Um, I think you kind of explained it a little bit, but, you know, just to go with the flow, we have different players in the sports industry. Yeah. Right? You've got your athletes, and then, of course, you have the administrators, you've got your coaches, so many players in the industry. How or why is it so important for them to understand sports law? Okay. Now, uh, that's a very very important question. Uh, as, I, as I said earlier, the one of the area of sports law is the rules of the game. Yeah. So, if you're a badminton player, you must know exactly the rules of the game that relate to singles and doubles, for example. Mm-hmm. Likewise, similarly, uh, football. Yeah. So, once you understand, if you're a player, and you understand the rules of the game pertaining to that particular game, therefore, you're able to play that game very well. Yeah. Now, similarly, also, we talk about coaches and so on and so forth. Yes. Now, we move into, as I said earlier, that one of the facets of sports law today or the sports today is no longer fun and games it's career opportunity yeah. so for example if I take BAM again mm-hmm. um, like at BAM we start nurturing players from very young so yeah. what we do we take them and put them into what we call the uh, NPC National Performance Centre or National Training Centre so you invest in them we don't know whether they're going to be good or not but mm-hmm. we have a educated guest and we put them we train them yeah. to a certain level hoping that they will reach a certain level and they're able to play for the country and probably get a goal or so for the country yeah. at the same time they also create an income for them mm-hmm. so so much investment has gone into there so when you take these players there's a contract between BAM for example and the players mm-hmm. likewise in every other sport as well there is a contractual relationship yep. now Fabian people may ask hey, why do you have a contractual relationship simple now to nurture one single badminton player 
as I said, there's so many other stakeholders involved. Mm. One example I can give you offhand is the sponsors. Yeah. Now, these are the people who pump in the money. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine, Fabian, if you train somebody from a young and up to about 20 or so, and that person wins the first gold medal in an international uh, tournament, and then the person thereafter says, I want to resign. Mm. You know, can you imagine? Of course, uh, you know, uh, the netizens, some netizens may say, hey, that's not fair to take disciplinary action against this player because mm-hmm. if, he, if he wants to go independent, what's the problem with it? Mm-hmm. Of course, he can go independent because the contract allows him to go independent. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, with uh, BAM, for example, my view is that the players with BAM are not contracted as employer-employee mm-hmm. because they enter into a national training centre. Mm-hmm. Therefore, what they do is they can withdraw from it. But that withdrawal comes as a price. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we saw recently, for example, the case of Lizzie Jia, for instance, mm-hmm. which caused quite an uproar. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, that, that was something unfortunate, mm-hmm. but that is something that happened. And as a sports body, we have to accept it and move along with it. Yeah. Uh, therefore, we need, also need to protect the sponsors and so on and so Correct. forth. So once the parties involved in sports law know the respective rules and regulations that governs them. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know whether you remember this, Fabian. Eh? There was, many, many years ago, there was an allegation, and that person was found guilty as well, yep. of uh, molesting uh, somebody, uh, one of the sports persons, mm-hmm. you know, massaging, and mm-hmm. you know, there was a molest, etc. This was many, many years ago. Now, that person was uh, disciplined and also charged because that became such a serious matter, and that person was charged in the court of law. Yep. So, we see that uh, beyond just the so-called sports law, the sports body, the sports person, whether coaches, players, etc., they're also governed by the formal law. You know, the law of Malaysia, for example, the civil law, civil law yeah. and the criminal law. Mm-hmm. So, you can go beyond that as well. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know whether you know this. In football, for example, yeah? in football, you also have a specialised Football Violence Act. Yes. Where yep. if the player, for example... Exerts extra conscious violence in his anger or whatever yeah. against a person, yes. he can be disciplined under a particular act. Mm-hmm. But let's say, for example, that violence on the football field turns into something that causes paralysis mm. of the player. Now you're talking about a very serious matter. Yeah. The penal code may come into place. Mm. The family may sue him in court under the civil law for tort of yeah. negligence and so on. Mm. So those are the kind of areas. Yeah. So it's very important that me as a lawyer, I'll say this. Quite apart from knowing the skill of the game, it is very important for players to know the rules and regulations and the law governing the game. Mm. Likewise too for the coaches and so on and so forth. Yes. Uh, I think Malaysia is moving in the right direction for that okay. Though there's a long way still to go mm. Which brings me to my next question I think, perfect I mean, you just said this um, You think that Malaysia is moving in the right direction that was really, But do you agree that we still need to beef up our knowledge I mean, on a lot of matters when it comes to sports law Like what can be done? Fabian, honestly, I'm very happy And I, and I accepted the invitation because I'm one of those who feel that in the sports area, there need to be greater education and yep. greater exposure. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely correct. Uh, I would like, for example, I don't know whether they've started doing it, mm-hmm. but at BAM, we've started slowly. Yep. I think all other sports bodies should have a special session. You know, you have sports science, for example, correct. you have physical activity, for example, you have skill activity and so on. Yes. But I do not know whether they've also given equal attention to educating the players, the coaches, and mm-hmm. those who are in the sports area as to the uh, effectiveness, as to the governance, as to the 
uh, effect of sports law on them. Mm-hmm. So once they know it, they're, they're better advised yeah. of their rights, their limitations, their liabilities, and so on. So correct, forth. correct. Yeah. yeah, because as we, I mean, we can look at our landscape, right? When we talk about sports, we're talking about athletes. They are the biggest stakeholders. Yeah. And athletes are usually very young. Yeah, you, you know, and in BAM, for example, you're exposing kids. We're calling them kids because you know yeah. they come in yeah. uh, at the junior level True. where they are twelve, thirteen years old, and right until the age of eighteen, they are still considered minors, right? So, how do you go about this? Like, you know, do they really understand the law, or this is when parents also play a big role? Okay, Ben, uh, you're right. Parents play a role in everything. Hmm. You know, I, w- I would always always say that you know, discipline, character, everything builds from home. You're right. Now, having said that, if I take BAM for example, BAM, I look at it that BAM largely has got a paternal attitude. Also, mm-hmm. uh, we have a very parental approach to the to the kids. That's why you know it, it sort of hurts us. Uh, we also human beings. Right? Yeah. It, also, it also sort of hurts us when we see our players not doing well, or worse, when they act in a very indisciplined manner. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, we have, we have a paternal uh, uh, approach to them, and we have counselling sessions and so on and so yeah. forth. And at the same time, we also try to do whatever we can to give them the basic understanding of the law. Yeah. I mean, no need for such a complicated approach to them. Yeah. But yeah, they do. They do have a understanding. But of course, it's quite a challenge to tell these kids as to what this uh, the law is actually all about. Yeah. So largely, we focus more towards discipline. I mean, yeah. discipline is a key to anything in yeah. life if you want to move forward. Yeah, yeah. So I understand, like in BAM, for example, um, when they come in. As a junior player, um, they are given a contract, right? I yes. mean, they will have to read through it. Their parents will have to read through it, and I understand that there will be um, a line for the parents to also sign um, on that contract, right? right. Um, so, how often, um, like, I guess with every time there's a review, then I guess a new contract is drawn up. Okay, now contractually, you find that uh, initially all of them have a generally standard contract, okay, because it's general anyway. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest this. I would suggest that each parent and the parents do before mm-hmm. before they sign up for their kids because kids being kids, yeah. they are underage, are minors. Yeah. Right? Minors do not have a legal standing to sign the contract. Mm-hmm. So it's the parents who must sign on behalf yes. uh, for them. Yeah. So that being the situation, you find that the parents themselves should engage proper lawyers so that they can they can tell the lawyers what they expect for the kids, mm. and then the lawyers can translate it into legal terms yeah. as to why it is. Now, essentially, at the end of the day, the contract must be something that is beneficial to both sides. Yep. Uh, but if you look at it, Fabian, uh, uh, the way like like BAM does, we also provide education for the. Uh, when I say education, I'm talking about academic Correct. education, yes. A levels, yep. and things like that, to the students, yep. uh, to the players. So it's, it's effectively a school. Where you study yep. academically, at the same time you also play. Yeah. So it, it, it's quite a complex uh, situation yeah. there. So the terms of the contract it need to be something in theory, something which is uh, agreed upon between BAM for yep. uh, BAM and and the parents. Yeah. And so long as it largely protects, that's fine. Yeah. But I know where you're going, and and, and I would say. That there need to be greater awareness mm-hmm. uh, for all players in the country, irrespective of which sports they're in, and also for all stakeholders in the country to be more cognizant of the relevant laws that are relating to sports. Mm. Now, just to give an example, for instance, uh, where the international law comes into play. Now, there was recently at, at OCM yep. there was a dispute uh, between two bodies in Malaysia. Okay, and uh, in that dispute. 
both came to us uh, me heading yeah. the uh, disciplinary committee yeah, the legal advisory committee OCM so that was regarding this um, institution uh, called Petang Petang and yep. Malaysian Bowls mm-hmm. so at the end of the day we have to, OCM had to decide who do we take in to register with our OCM yep. now our, my task is very simple at the end of the day uh, these sports bodies in Malaysia need to be recognized by the International Federation mm. the International Federation need to be recognized by the International Olympics Council yeah. I've got a very standard approach yes. to it mm. and uh, only then they can be registered with the sports commission in Malaysia mm. so okay. if these three criteria are fulfilled then they are registered okay. so in our case we registered the Malaysian Bowls Association recently yeah. because they, they fulfill all these criteria So this is where Fabian another important role of the Malaysian uh, uh, Sports Commission. Mm-hmm. You know, after all, uh, to me, uh, to lawyers, 1997 is very recent. Okay. <laughs> Even though it's 20 years plus. Yeah. Huh? So it's quite recent, this Malaysian uh, Sports Commission uh, because the Sports Development Act 1997. Mm-hmm. Now, however, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to criti- criticize the, the act. Yeah. You know, however, if you look at the act, it only empowers the, the commission in two areas largely. Yeah? One is to register the sports bodies okay. and the other one is just to supervise and monitor the sports activities and so on. Mm. Now, I think there needs to be greater empowering of the sports commission. Okay. Uh, for example, looking into the welfare of the uh, players, for instance, mm-hmm. and maybe it's a bit more complicated. But however, it's also looking at the remuneration of players, certain industries. I mm. mean, certain sports areas, uh, yep. so that the issue of payment etc. does not arise. Okay. We have a minimum pay in, in in other sectors. Yes. Why not we consider something similar, you know, market rate or whatever? Mm-hmm. So essentially, I think there's a greater role for the sports commission to play. Yeah. Now, uh, my personal experience, the current sports Commission, sports commissioner, very very cooperative with me and okay. with us. Yep. I'm saying in the future, mm-hmm. as as an institution, I'm not talking about sports commissioner personally. Yep. But, but in the future, yeah. they need to be given a bigger role, bigger budget, and so on, mm-hmm. because sports in Malaysia in all areas is really truly developing. Okay. And who who is responsible for this, Dr. Sri? Like, okay. how do you empower the sports uh, commission? Right. Now this is where I think various stakeholders uh, play an important role. For example, in Malaysia, you have the uh, institute. Sukarnagara. Okay. You have the NS National Sports Council, National Institute, National Sports, Sports Institute, yeah. uh, Sports Institute, and you have two very important bodies. One is the Ministry of Sports, Sports. Youth okay. Sports, mm-hmm. YB Hanayo, yeah. and the other important one is the um, OCM, okay. uh, Tantri Noza. Dr. Noza yeah. Zakaria. Yeah. So in that sense, therefore, I see. That I, I'm a bit thrilled. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to praise my president because he's, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's behind president. But, you know, he's, he's a very proactive person, this uh, Noza Zakaria. So, recently, you know, I think you know Fabian, uh, that, uh, and YB Hana, I met yeah. her and she's very vibrant mm-hmm. and she has taken up a lot of initiatives, amazing, yeah. within just uh, 100 days. Uh. Yes. She has come to BM so many times and if you follow her, she's gone to every other spot as well. So, recently, you know, uh, there's a cooperation between OCM under Tantri Noza Zakaria yep. and YB Hanayo as a Minister of yep. uh, Youth and Industry to, to come up with this RTG mm-hmm. Road uh, to Goal yep. now of course they already have a podium program yes. if you know yeah? yep. already have podium program but nevertheless you ask this question now when there's already a podium program why is Noza and Hanayo coming up with this RTG mm. I think that shows a seriousness to have a fresh approach towards two Olympic goals mm. two Olympic uh, cycles cycles yep. And now that shows a commitment never before in Malaysia. Hmm. So with that, you find that uh, RTG will bring together the involvement of many other uh, stakeholders together so that for the first time in Malaysia, we have a concerted 
uh, objective towards uh, achieving something in the Olympics. Yep. Yep. So that too will also involve a lot of law and so on and so forth. Yeah. So to to summarize it, Fabian, uh, you require a lot of political will, and I confidently say, knowing Hanayo, uh, she's a very committed uh, yep. person, and I think you know Noza, he's very committed yeah. to to sports. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's going to be very interesting because YB Hana also has a background in law. Yes, right? yes, you yeah. know. So it's uh, really interesting to see how things are going to be developing the next right. couple of months at least. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I want say this, Fabian. Now, what I like about Hana Yo is this: she is open to ideas. Mm. I mean, any minister who wants to learn and has the humility to learn is a good minister. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now, that's three. Let's move in into something a little bit more juicy. Yeah. <laughs> juicy, <laughs> oranges. Uh, <laughs> I just want to go back in time. Um, last year, uh, I mean, we we kind of mentioned it in passing earlier, okay. but you know, last year um, in January, uh, our current world number four, Lizzie mm-hmm. decided to leave the Badminton Association yeah. Association of Malaysia. Of course, it became public interest. You know, it was so it was such big news that even then, uh, Prime Minister Datuk Sri Ismail Sabri got involved. Um, you were in the thick of the action because yes. you know I remember the press conference and you were explaining the the contract and the law. Maybe you can walk us through what actually happened. How did it blow up like that? Well, I wouldn't use the word blow up. A blow up is always done by the media. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was what happened. Yep. And what happened is this: Lizzie decided to go independent. Yep. And uh, of course, to go independent, there are various things that uh, BAM has got to consider. Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier that to make Lizzie Jia, there's a lot of things involved behind. Yeah. Uh, Lizzie Jia could not come become Lizzie Jia by himself. Mm-hmm. You're talking about sponsorship. Yeah. You're talking about the kind of training that's given and so on, coaches and so on. So with the, yeah. the, the so many stakeholders. Correct. So when Lizzie decided to go independent, we had certain uh, discussions with yep. him, and I think I made a press conference and made it clear mm-hmm. that subsequently he appealed, and we come out with a different uh, uh, scenario altogether. Yeah. But the important thing is this, uh, Fabian. I'm glad, in a sense, as mm-hmm. a lawyer, yeah. as a person who likes to have long-term solutions for the country, I'm glad it happened mm-hmm. because it's a learning lesson for all of us. Yeah. All of us, meaning for BAM and especially for the netizens and so on. Mm-hmm. Because we must understand that when Lee Zijia did what he did, for whatever reasons he has, yeah. I'm not going to judge him. Yeah. It, it, there are repercussions. Yes. Now you said you correctly said that the prime minister got involved. Mm-hmm. That underlines the point I made earlier. Sport is politics. Mm. Otherwise, why would the prime minister want to get involved, and why would he want to get involved in badminton? <laughs> For the simple reason that badminton and football are popular sports in the country. Yes. So badminton is a you know game of the marhain. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So because of that, that happened. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, Yeah, for a while, for a for a while, we had certain um, difficulties, challenges mm-hmm. with sponsors, mm-hmm. because of course sponsors want to safeguard their sponsorship of and course. so on and so yep. forth. But I'm glad to say, I'm very happy to say that BM has gone over it. Yep. Uh, with respect to Lizzie, mm-hmm. uh, BM is back stronger now yep. and better, and we're able to create uh, more. Uh, potentials in BAM. I think mm-hmm. you know who yep. they are. Yep. Their names, not that. 
So that's how it is, uh, baby. Correct, correct. Yeah. And and it's been good, I would think. Like yep. you know, in the last past couple of months, at least, I think BM has signed like new sponsors. Yeah. You know, with Affin Bank and stuff. Right. And then uh, I don't know whether you know this, baby. Now, for example, after all that happened, uh, Tanzu Nos also came out with this uh, policy mm-hmm. in BM yep. as, as president, where he decided to separate completely the governing aspect of uh, BAM. Yeah. And the training aspect of uh, BAM. Yeah. So he he doesn't want those two to be mixed completely at all. Mm-hmm. So he actually started a center, an elite center, for example, to actually train those uh, players with with just the, the best possible sports science, etc., and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So that's some that's a very good development. Yeah. The separation of governance. And the uh, training completely. The technical side of the things. The technical side yeah. of things completely. Yeah, yeah. That's how we have the Petronas Academy the Badminton Malaysia. Correct. Now, right? That's yeah. how you have, yes. Okay. Um, Natoshi, I'm just going to move along and, you know, talk about as a normal man on the street, every time people mention the word sports law, we think contracts. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're so familiar with like the English Premier League. Every now and then you see a coach getting sacked. Yeah. You you know, so um, what is it about sports contracts that's so important? Like, Um, what are the difference? Because I'm I'm just going to go into another case that's really current right now. Um, of course, none of us are involved directly, but we're keeping ourselves updated with it. Which is the Lee Zijia and his former coach Indra Vijaya's ah, dispute, okay. right? So you know we're talking a lot about contracts. Um, I know because I have been reporting about it. I mean, NST published an exclusive chronology of events that was mm. provided by Indra, and then just reading the comments. Of like the netizens, mm. many are wondering why is this case being referred to the Industrial Court of Malaysia mm. and not the Civil Court. Okay, now if we talk about contract, mm. uh, without getting too technical, yep. uh, it can be a contract for employment or it can be contract for services, contract yes. yep. of services. Mm-hmm. So you got to look at the contract itself. Now I I didn't have the uh, benefit of looking at the contract between Zijia and uh, Indra. Indra, yep. but generally speaking. Uh, whatever contracts that exist in uh, sports, it is an agreement between the two parties. Yeah. In this case, the player and his coach. Yeah. So the contract will have all the terms and agreements, so on and so forth. Now the question of when does a matter go to the civil court, when does it go to the industrial court, and when does it go to the labor court? Mm. So there are actually three levels of court they can go okay. to. Now, to me as a lawyer, you can go straight to the civil court if you want. the The choice of going to an industrial court or a labor court is. Things are simpler at the labor court and industrial court. Much okay. much simpler than the the civil court. Mm. Because civil court is a lo- is a longer duration. Uh, the procedures are different. The procedure more strict and so on and yeah. so forth. So in in industry, I don't know why they went to uh, industrial court. Mm-hmm. If he goes to industrial court, I mean, there must be an employer-employee relationship between uh, Indra and uh, Zijia. Mm. So, you know, so I can't. I, sorry, yep. even I can't comment much as to why he Correct. went there. Correct. But uh, if he goes there and and is accepted there, then it's a much simpler process. Mm. Because before a matter can go even to the industrial court, there must have been. A negotiation and mediation, yes, between Lizija and Indra. Correct. So if it goes to industrial court, finally, that means that must have failed. Mm. So, but at the industrial court, it's still easier to 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 negotiate again. Yeah. So that brings me to my next uh, my next question because you see, I've been in uh, close contact with Indra's lawyer. And um, you know, he's very nice. He explains things to me. I always tell him, uh, you know, mm. please keep it. As simple as possible The readers mm. will not understand things If you are going to go uh, Too technical into things yep. But he was saying Because it's a case That's going to be referred to The industrial court see, It's not as rigid You know As a case that Will be referred to a civil court For example yep. And it can be settled 
out of court or you know like like you just said negotiated sure. again at any point at is any that, point is that true that's very true in fact uh, from my own experience guys i used to practice industrial uh, court uh, litigation mm-hmm. many many years ago yeah. Uh, maybe 20 years ago I can't remember but you know you can in the middle of the uh, the hearing uh, parties can come to settlement ah. sometimes even before the hearing actually starts uh, the thing being human nature Fabian uh, when you're angry I'm angry I want to sue you and yeah. so on and so forth yeah. when it comes nearer to the actual trial date on the day you have to take the stand uh, you, may, you may have already come down and you say look uh, let, let's come to uh, yep. you know an agreement yes. where it benefits both parties Correct. a win-win situation yeah So, actually, um, I think, uh, you know, great discussion. It brings me down to my last question. I mean, you know, try to keep it as simple and as short as yeah. possible. But um, we know sometimes if you really want to get into things, you want to know more, law can be a very deep and heavy subject. Yeah. Um, And like I said earlier, uh, our athletes are very young. Yeah. Of course, like you mentioned earlier, I think education is the way to go. Yeah. We have no choice but to make sure that we have the right people educating our athletes on matters relating to sports law. But just looking at this most recent case, like we're talking about Zijia and his former coach, and you did say that, you know, as human beings, sometimes emotions can run high. So how important it is to sometimes act In good faith I think good faith Is always very important It's primary It's most important And I think Fabian Most of us Always think That we're acting In good faith mm. Then you ask the question If all of us Think we're acting In good faith Then why do you need The law The thing is uh, Fabian I even say this To my closest friends And to my wife <laughs> I say that I trust you as my wife, but I don't trust the human nature in you. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 how do you ensure that that despite your good faith, your human nature, that part of human nature, doesn't take over and do certain things that cause problems for both of us? Yeah. And because of that, the law comes in. Mm. And and essentially, Fabian, law may seem complex and frightening. Yeah. I'm a lawyer who will say that actually law is largely common sense. Mm. Law is largely common sense. Uh, if you like, you know, we all have a conscience. We know what needs to be done. For example, if you're a badminton player, you know what needs to be done. Uh, don't get involved in doping, for example. Yeah. You know, so we have the law, which is against anti-doping. Yes. And then uh, don't get into game fixing, for example. Yes. That's why we have the penal code law to say to prevent gambling. Yeah. And why, why, do you, why do you have law against uh, uh, match fixing? Because it disappoints the players. Because it does not do justice to the game itself. Yeah. Because kills are oppressed. Mm. So it's all common sense, really. Yeah. So in a summary, I'll say yes, good faith is very important. At the same time, listen to the rules and regulations that your mind is telling you as well. Mm. And that will be able to uh, help. But on a more practical note, I would like to see probably an international uh, sports tribunal in the country. Okay. Or even though you have at OCM, you have the, uh, uh, I think it's called the uh, Athletes Commission or something. Yes. Yeah. But I'd like to have an international sports tribunal in the country. Uh, probably have a you know group of five people or ten people or whatever, so that they, these people can can solve various uh, disputes, issues, and so on and so forth. Mm. Uh, today, most of them are resolved uh, internally, uh, procedure-wise. Yeah. Like OCM, I, I do it. Yeah. You know, but I think we need to have something like so that so that if the matter needs to go to court, it goes to this tribunal first. First, yeah. So that you know a lot of costs are saved, time is saved, and so mm. on. Mm. And sports being sports, Fabian. Eh? We don't want litigation is stressful, mm-hmm. so we don't want while the player or the or the coach or anybody in the sports industry uh, sector who are involved in the litigation, we don't want to be stressed out. Yes. So tribunal will be very 
good. Mm. Uh, and maybe the ministry could have somebody there as well. Mm. After all, the industrial court, you also have the uh, uh, ministry involved. Okay. And how long, the Tosri, to set up something like this? Oh, anything is fast as long as there's political will. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> If you have political will, you have a will, f- you know, a, a, minister, uh, a prime minister with that political will and the relevant sports minister with that political will, Fabian, next week you have the first draft. <laughs> End of the month, you already have a small tribunal ready yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah. Prototype. <laughs> <laughs> Then let's hope for that. Huh? Let's hope for that. Let's hope for that. And with that, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Three, uh, for being on the podcast. My name is Fabian Peter and this has been Time Spot on the Beat. Thank you.